Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Hullcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Hullcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Hullcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Welcome to Awaken Episode 2. This is Mark Holcraft, joined with Dr. Joe Holcraft. Uh, Dr. Joe, want to say hello? Hey, Mark. How are you? It's great to be with you again. Thanks. Great to be with you too, Joe. Thanks. Uh, so, we're here on Real Presence Radio, Episode 2, Awaken. And last time when we met, we kind of opened the door, kind of blew open the doors on just the whole concept of intercessory prayer. And so, uh, but gosh, I took forever to get to the opening prayer. <laughs> so, let's try to avoid that. Let's let's dive right in. in um Joe, I'm going to ask if you could actually lead us in our opening of prayer. Of course. Of course, Mark. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we just give you special thanks and praise for the gift of this day, the gift of being able to praise you, worship you, honor you in all that we do, uh, and, and bring light to who you are and all um, that we encounter, in who all that we encounter. We ask for special grace this time that you would just illumine our mind and minds and hearts, uh, that they may always uh, speak to your glory. And we pray this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, So as I mentioned, episode one, we open the doors to intercessory prayer. And really, over the next few episodes, we just really want to break this open. Uh, Because one of the things, Joe, that stood out to me we talk intercessory prayer, is how interwoven it is with so many other forms of prayer. You know, in fact, you know, in in some of the topics that we'll be covering, you know, today we're talking about praying into the Holy Spirit. You know, so how, what, you know, I've heard that concept, praying into the Holy Spirit, uh, to pray with the Holy Spirit, uh, to pray under the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit, to ask for the Holy Spirit to intercede or to uh, pour His power into us. I mean, so there's so many facets and aspects of it. But really, um, what I'm discovering, uh, really f- from your book, uh, Unleashing the Power of the Holy Spirit, or Un- Unleashing the Power of Intercessory Prayer. See, th- there it is. I'm used to saying Unleashing the Power of the Holy Spirit versus <laughs> Unleashing uh, the Power yeah, of Intercessory Prayer. Yeah, and I'll tell prayer. you, Mark, yeah, it, it's, it's one of the same thing. It, it really is one of the same thing, but go ahead. Well, and, and that's that, that's it. Like, um, I think sometimes, and <laughs> I don't think it's the man in me, but you know, the, the 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 joke, and yet there's a subtle truth to it. Men operate. We like to compartmentalize things. You know, we can only operate with one sure. door open. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I, I know there is some sense of that for me of just keeping, um, you know, one aspect of it, and just taking taking a look at uh, whether it's the Holy Spirit. Little Lord knows we cannot, uh, you can't contain the Holy Spirit. I, I'm thinking of our, our, uh, some former announcers. Can't stop them, can't contain them. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, 
but but really, I mean, really, it, we what's really come into light for me is truly the power of intercessory prayer. So unleashing that power, um, the more I discover how you could say how broad it is, um, what I'm being, uh, you know, and the pun intended, awakened to, reawakened to. <laughs> is yeah. um, just how big God is, how powerful God is. And so we talk intercessory prayer. Um, what I want to invite our listeners to is you'll probably run into some things that you've heard before. But I, want to, I just want to invite you, be open. Open your eyes, open your ears, open your heart to something new in this, in that, frankly, what we may take for granted in prayer as just a part of, you know, this is what I do for my prayer. And we almost, we confine the Lord into our own understanding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And how yeah. we, we can't, that's a trap. That's such a trap in prayer. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things the Lord is really reawakening in me as we talk intercessory prayer. We talk praying into the Holy Spirit. Um, but Joe, you, uh, you had shared there, as we were talking about this, there's, there's three areas that we want to discuss today. You know, and if you will, what's a, a three-step approach to praying into the Holy Spirit? And I really like how you articulated it. It's invite the Holy Spirit, imitate the Holy Spirit, and walk humbly. And so break this open uh, for us. What do you yeah, say when so you say invite a, the Holy Spirit? Sure. Invite the Holy Spirit. Imitate the, the Spirit-filled prayer of Jesus was number two. And then three, walk humbly with the Holy Spirit. Let me first say this, Mark, and and here I'm echoing uh, Pope St. John Paul the Great. When he said, the whole of the Paschal mystery, the entirety of <laughs> the life of Christ points to one thing, one gift. And, and what might that be? I think for many of our um, brothers and sisters in Christ who, who might be listening to this program we think about salvation, the cross, his love. But what does all of that point to? The giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So uh, John Paul II said in his fifth encyclical on the Holy Spirit that everything points to the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so really for us to talk about unleashing the power of intercessory prayer, what we're really talking about as uh, you had suggested <laughs> a little bit ago, is to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. that really is the first key. And we do that by intentionally, Mark, inviting the Holy Spirit into our life, right? What uh, what the switch is, uh, what the flip switch is to, to, to light, the Holy Spirit is to prayer, right? The yeah. Holy Spirit is the protagonist of all good prayer. So we invite the Holy Spirit into our prayer, which we know, of course, is inviting the very love of God into our life. A love mark which is unmeasured. And that's so important in any discussion on intercessory prayer because so many of us go to God with these big things, right? Lord, intervene. Can you touch this or that? And often when we go to God, it is the big thing. It's, it's, It's not so much the little stuff that we need to be going to God with, but the bigger stuff. And yet God says, come to me, right? Come to me and, and ask for the big thing. St. Paul echoes this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. And this is important because Jesus says in John chapter 3, verses 33 to 34, that what I give is unmeasured. 
right? It's limitless. There is no ceiling. We talk in sports, Mark, like this athlete, well, he has a ceiling, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, how much one can or can't achieve. With God, there is no ceiling. I, I believe it was uh, Father Dave Pavanka, uh, current president of Franciscan University of Steubenville, uh, you know, was was talking about this on one occasion and leaned into, you know, the natural world to better understand this. And what did he say? Well, you know, he said, Mark, look around you. Say, go to the beach and look around you. What might you see? But grains of sand as far as the eye can see. Or maybe you're looking out at the water. What do you see? Well, as far as the eye can see, you're going to see water. So whether you're looking left or right or north or south, you're going to see sand or water. What's the point? Well, you know, Mark, you can probably, it would take hundreds of years and thousands of people to count all the grains of sand in the world. Equally, if you have the same amount of people, you can come up with how much water is out there. I think scientists tell us there's, you know, almost 80% of the world is covered in water. And we might look at all of that water or uh, count all those grains of sand and, and at some point think, well, this is just going to go on forever. You know, we tend to embellish, we say yeah, yeah. forever. When in reality, in, in reality, that water is limited. Right? All those grains of sand, the trillions times trillions times trillions of grains of sand, and that wouldn't be an exaggeration probably, uh, is limited. Why stretch this analogy that far? Well, God is unlimited. Right? The very word mystery, mysterium from the Greek, it means inexhaustible. God is the inexhaustible. So we invite the Holy Spirit into our lives. And as Jesus promises us in John chapter 3, verses 33 to 34, that he's going to give it to us in an unlimited manner. He's not going to portion it out. I think, Mark, you and I were both, you know, we're husbands and we're dads and we're you know, we're constantly portioning out our time. Maybe we portion out our money. We constantly portion out, right? God doesn't portion out. He gives. Yeah, he, over, he overflows. He overflows, right? Yeah, then, yeah, yes, yes. It overflows, Mark. And I, I think, again, when we go to God with those requests, let us go to God with the confidence that, yes, he's going to, to give um the immeasurable gift that is the Holy Spirit that can transform whatever it is that we take to him. Uh, as I note in the bookmark, you know, <laughs> we always want more. You know, everything is supersized. Well, God is, is, is the super, if you will. Yeah, Mindful that the he word is the more. Yeah, yeah, he is the more. The word super, by the way, comes from the Latin supra, which means above there's nothing above god yeah. <laughs> so yeah um well i think i think that's we, an important distinction joe I, on on so many levels important distinction but just uh, i want to go back to for a minute your insight in regards to um <clears throat> the immeasurable because when we talk about the immeasurable then the context of the contrast then is it's it's with, with the measurable and so when mm -hmm. we discuss god when we discuss God, we often, I know what I said earlier, we can't stop him, can't contain him, we put him in a box. And yet, God allows himself to be relegated, if you will, to mm. human concepts. You know, uh, even when God speaks by way of analogy, 
you know, the analogies are just that. It's an analogy. Yeah. It's a point of reference for our sake, not for his sake. He's above it. He's outside it. And yet he gives these analogies as an avenue to teach, to communicate himself. Uh, so when you're, we're talking prayer, you know, or the example you used of the sand, I mean, the sands of the seashore, you know, scripture speaks of that by way of example. And yet that is limited, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's important for us because sometimes we could read scripture and we, we put God in that box. We'll see, okay, God is limited. It's like, no, he's just, as he reveals himself, he's revealing himself to a people that is limited. We're limited in our understanding. We're limited in our approach. You know, how often I have heard, I don't know about you, Joe, but people say, you know, when we, when we, I know I petition God, but I don't want to just, I feel like I can just go on and on. I don't want to tell him everything or there's only mm. so much they can say. Like, I almost, I almost feel like I'm overwhelming God. Mm. I completely get that in my human understanding because it overwhelmed yeah. me. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I can get overwhelmed, but you can't exhaust the inexhaustible. You know, and that's, that's what you're getting at. And so when we talk about invite the Holy Spirit, that's what we are suggesting. Invite the inexhaustible. And you're like, he's poised. He's ready. He is literally the ever ready. You know, he's ever ready, uh, waiting for us, you know? Um, yeah, of course, I think yeah. of the Energizer Bunny. The Energizer Bunny's got nothing on him, right? <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, you know. Uh, that battery's gonna run out. Not that's where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I, I just talked about two different batteries. Maybe, I should, maybe I'm promoting something. I don't know, you know, but all that being said, you know, uh, he is the ever ready. Um, yeah. and even that language falls short to describe who he is, but we do our best. Um, yeah, Mark. And you, you speak to something there that I think actually is quite important is we, we don't go to God for God's sake, right? But for right. our sake, God already knows what's in our hearts. Um, we intercede, uh, <laughs> that we might come to better understand the way in which God reveals himself, right? And of course, this is done by virtue of the action of the Holy Spirit. So um, it, it's something to be mindful of as we continue this discussion of intercessory prayer. Go ahead, Mark. Well, I, I think so. I think so. And, you know, gosh, Joe, already, uh, I mean, we we can launch further into this, and, and we will. <laughs> um, but as we invite the Holy Spirit, let's talk a little bit about imitating the Holy Spirit, too. You know, and to be honest, this imitating the Holy Spirit, this is going to take us right into our break in just a couple minutes. But, um, you know, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where St. Paul says, be imitators of me. You know, what does he mean by that, Joe? I mean, St. Paul's saying that. How, how, how dare yeah. St. Paul say that? <laughs> you know, one could read. How yeah, can he yeah, say yeah. that? Well, he has the authority to say that to the extent that he is an imitation of Christ. And it's actually with that passage in mind that I, Mark, underscore uh, our Lord's own words to help us better understand how to pray. Uh, And here I'm thinking of Mark chapter 7, verses 33 to 34. Um, And this, of course, is uh, Jesus' encounter with uh, the deaf man who has a speech impediment. Uh, We read there in chapter 7, verse 33, He put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epata, that is, be opened. Let us remember that in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and following, we have Paul talking about 
the language of the Holy Spirit being sighs and groans. So here you have Jesus, and I love this, Mark, um, putting his fingers into his ears. Talk about this, that very human language, right? Yeah. Putting his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue, and looking up to set, uh, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Father, that is, be opened. So here I'm talking about the importance of imitating the prayer of Jesus, because what Jesus is doing here is showing us how to pray, which is first and foremost to sigh and to groan. So before he even uttered a word, he expressed a groan. Hey, Joe, okay, so th- there's, can, can I interrupt you? Because I'm just going to point out the obvious. I'm going to be that guy. <laughs> are, you yeah, telling yeah, oh, me, are you telling me to spit? And rub my hands in it because <laughs> well, that's what some people are going to hear. And that, you know what I'm saying? That's what some people are to hear. Like, okay, be imitators of that. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, sure, sure. And and here, what I'm talking about, Mark, is more specifically imitating the sighing and the groaning. And 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 let me be that person to suggest to all of our listeners that we do this all the time, but I don't think we really think about it. And what do I mean? Well, think about the last time you were on the football field or the basketball court or on the track, or maybe in the weight room, when you were really digging deep and pushing yourself because you really wanted something, what did you do? You sighed, you, uh, you know, you, yeah. you dig you deep. Groan. Right? Yeah, yeah. You do. That's the language of the Holy Spirit with respect to desiring something, right? Craving something. Yeah. Speaker Jesus speaks to the deeper sighed. longing. Yes, yes, yes. So, I know, Mark, we, we're going to speak um, more about this when we come back from the break. But for our listeners, what I want um, them to understand is that what is happening uh, in this gospel narrative isn't so different than what we do in everyday life. We just need to make those connections and connect the dots. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Joe. So uh, when we come back from our break... Well, we're going to continue to talk about imitating Christ. And then what is that third step we talked about walking humbly with God? Stick with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Welcome back to Road Presence Radio's Awaken. Mark Holcraft here with Dr. Joe Holcraft. And we're picking up where we left off talking about imitating the Holy Spirit. Now we're praying in the Holy Spirit, but then we're in a step two of imitating the Holy Spirit. Uh, so Joe, if you could pick up where, where we left off... As you were talking about that, you, you referred to uh, scripture passages from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verses 33, 34. And of course, I kind of exaggerated this notion of, uh, this is gross. You're, you're, you're saying the spit in the dirt and the rubbing yeah. of the person's eyes. Like, obviously, your point being, no, no, I, it, that not being the point, but in that call to imitate the Holy Spirit, to pray, well, as St. Paul writes in Romans, with inexpressible groanings, you know, yeah. um, can you continue with that thought? Sure. Yeah, we have to understand that, that, that you know, let us ask the question, what is prayer? Prayer is, is conversation with God, right? It is a communication um, that is no doubt 
uh, spoken, but also um, in the language of the body as well. So, for example, to sigh, you know, to, to, to sigh, um, you're breathing out. You know, this is the, the, the language of entering into the mystery of God. You know, the first beatitude is, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit, the Greek word for spirit is penuma, you know, the breath of God, right? So we, we, we enter into this mystery of, of breathing, if you will, and certainly, you know, obviously uh, speaking. But as I say that, I am reminded of, of an encounter I had personally with um, Archbishop Chaput, who was then just Bishop Chaput, some years ago at Steubenville. I was blessed to be in his company in a chapel very early in the morning, very early in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I, I was a few pews behind him, and it sounded like he was snoring. My God, this is interesting. Bishop Chaput snores. <laughs> and then I, I, I took a closer look and I realized that he was not snoring, but he was deep in God, praying in God. Mark, dare I say, sighing and groaning in, in God. He actually later apologized if, I, if he was a distraction, of course. No, 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 you weren't a distraction. He helped me enter into prayer. Yeah. And yes, this is the first action, Mark, because. Uh, this is what Paul tells us. It's the Holy Spirit who's already started to initiate huh, that action of prayer. Right? That's Paul's point in, in Romans 8 26. So we're we're responding to what God has already what God has already initiated in our heart, praise God. Exactly. So the action of prayer from Jesus to the deaf man uh, as he's healing him with the, as he's healing the speech impediment is one of and note mark mediation right there he is he sets himself up like this current really as he's looking up he's got you know his fingers in his ears and he's touched his tongue he's, he's set up like this current a current that transforms and that uh, this is uh, the, the business of intercessory prayer prayer is conversation with god it is communication it is a particular language and yes foundationally part of that language is is what we do every day as we interact. You know, we sigh, we, uh, as needed, we dig deep, we groan, uh, all very important to the language of, of, of what Scripture has to say specific to prayer and intercessory prayer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to jump to this, the third step, if you will, that we were talking about, and that's walking humbly with God. You know, yeah. as an imitation, or we, we invite the Holy Spirit we imitate the Holy Spirit, and then we walk humbly with God, which in its own self is an imitation of the Holy Spirit. Um, but there's something particularly here to walk humbly with the Holy Spirit, I should say. Um, that third person. Say more about that. Say more about what does that look like to walk humbly with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, well, well let's first say this, that uh, God likes to go for walks. <laughs> we see all throughout the Old Testament, gosh, Mark, certainly, with Adam and Eve, God was walking in the cool of the day. We see it with Abraham. We see it, I believe, with Enoch. We see it with uh, Noah. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, in particular with patriarchs, we see that God likes to go for walks. I mean, I know that for so some you, interpreters are, are, you, are, or, are you saying, uh, 
We don't go like to go for walks because it's just it's a way as we get older we get exercise. <laughs> yeah, I mean we're talking patriarchs. Yeah, exactly. These are older figures. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> since you bring it up, Mark, let me tell you something. I've been going for a lot more walks the past few year, few years, and um, I find myself less on the track and less on the court. I've been and less trying on the other to. I know high I know. cardio stuff. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I say that, I mean, certainly because um, it's just fun to poke at myself at times and just that reality of getting older, um, that is more how I try to get some exercise. But there's also, there's just something to be said. I go, I, I've always liked going for walks. I grew up going for walks. I grew up going for walks with our sisters, you know, um, great opportunity to talk with them. So there's something significant uh, to go for a walk. Appreciate beauty. You're going for hikes. Why do we, people go for hikes? Yeah, maybe there's exercise, but it's to take in God's creation. Um, I know yeah. for me, I learned so much in going for walks with, with Carolyn and now Sister Victoria, you know, uh, Celia at the time. You, you just, you learn a lot about the person. I'm taking that and then to just to walk with God, to walk with the Holy Spirit. It's starting it, it start to take shape. So uh, please. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that was that's where I was going, Mark. Really, it's it's to understand that um, there's a reason why we like to go for walks, you know. And you touched upon some of them, and it's important to note that even in divine revelation, even in sacred scripture, so does God. And in, in its biblical context, there's a really fancy word, Mark, that you'll hear, anthropomorphic. Say that five times fast. Seriously. That's just <laughs> <a w> yeah, <laughs> anthropomorphic. It's, it's an expression. It's a word that speaks to um, how we can better relate to God, right? So, yeah, God uh, is, is walking with us. And so, um, but how do we do this? What does sacred scripture recommend? Well, we do this in the virtue of humility, right? We walk humbly with our Lord. And when we walk humbly with our Lord, what we do is we open ourselves up um, to all sorts of new ways in which we will uh, see God work in our life. I mean, the, the Catechism highlights at Mark, humility is the virtue that which is foundational. It is absolutely foundational to prayer. And so as, as sacred scripture highlights the importance of walking humbly and doing so in the presence of God, my recommendation is to quite practically, when you go on your walks, especially as you get older, no, <laughs> you can go on a walk if you're younger, right? Um, have that conversation with God, right? God meets us how he makes us and he walks with us exactly as he is. And as he does, we can then better encounter you know, those opportunities that are ever before us each and every day, Mark, to, to talk to him about the things that are going on in our, in our life. And even more specifically, if, if someone has requested um, a very specific petition to go to God the Father, then, then do so. Certainly, we'll talk over the course of coming weeks, Mark, uh, the importance of going before the Blessed Sacrament and the importance of, uh, you know, praying certain prayers uh, to better. Um, intercede on behalf of those who have asked for our prayers. But um, make no mistake about it, that's very important to uh, enter into um, that truth. And why, again, because this is what God reveals in sacred scripture. Time and again, he reveals himself in beautiful and wonderful ways in sacred scripture when he's 
literally in its biblical context, of course, walking with man. Yeah, no, I, Joe, context is a word that's keep, it continues to surface for me as we're talking in this episode. You know, snapshot, if I could do a little brief commercial for a future episode, I'm really looking forward to when we talk about intercession within the Mass. Why did my mind go there? Because uh, in the nature of context, you know, what I often hear, just by way of this example, you know, to walk humbly with the Holy Spirit, um, because to go for, you know, God loves to go for walks. And I love what you said about uh, God meets us where he, how he made us. Is that how you said it? God meets us how he made us. Yeah. Um, that's a great one-liner. I love that. And part of that is because, you know, what I often hear in light of just prayer in general and in light of just encountering God, you know, and this is a, it's a tangent. I don't want to go too far on this. But again, to paint a picture of context, context is important. You know, well, why do I need to go to Mass? I could just encounter God in nature. And they, you know, I'll go for mm. a walk. I, you know, encounter Him there. Yeah. I, of course you can encounter Him there. Especially, I love, again, the premise, God meets us where He, where he made us. Of course he's, we can encounter Him there. And so that snapshot of, of a head, and yet there is something sublime, unique, uh, exhilarating all things good, then what must it be that God would desire to meet us in Mass? You know, yeah. so there's something extraordinary yeah. there. So that, that's my snapshot ahead. Um, but back to context yes. now, too, it, it gives this grandiose uh, picture to like, God just desires to be with us. He just desires to meet us. And so what is prayer? That communication with God, as you said, for as much as we think in our deepest desirings and longings that we've had to encounter the Lord or to ask the Lord, whether it's asking Him for a sign or just, we need to know that He's there. We need to know that He hears us. He hears the cry of our heart. For whatever that deepest longing is, whether it's in desperation or in exhilaration, uh, it pales to that immeasurable God who desires us all the more. Right? Yeah. So yeah. And I think that's something that we need to be reminded of. We need to be reminded. We yeah. need to be reminded that for as much as we uh, desire God and any other synonym to that, <laughs> He desires mm-hmm. us all the more. How badly does He desire us? One could say it's enough to know that He made us. Yeah. He's willing yeah, to amen. make us out of nothing into something so that we can be with Him, experience that communion with Him. And this is this is the essence of prayer, you know. I, as we it, it, said earlier, yeah, yeah, Mark. It's the essence of prayer. It's the essence of the spiritual life, really. Yeah. And here I'm I'm taking a cue from Saint John of the Cross, but the essence of the spiritual life is to desire God as much as God desires us, right? To, to move in that reality. Um, and if God's desire for us is immeasurable, then we on an equal uh, level respond to that desire with everything that we have. You know, it, uh, Mark, the question has been asked, you know, if if God, if Jesus's blood redeemed the world, then why not a little droplet of blood from little baby Jesus? Why didn't that blood save the world? Well, we have to think of the cross and, and how we think about love. If the body has five and a half to six quarts of 
blood to give, then this is what poured out on the cross, right? Enough was never going to be enough until it gave everything. And this is our challenge. And certainly we can apply this to the way in which we approach prayer. <laughs> it's all the time and everywhere, Mark. Should we be seeking our Lord? And of course, as we speak to the cross, let us be mindful of what Jesus said to really put an exclamation point on our discussion here. You talk about encountering God in the natural world, and this is what I was talking about. Um, and no doubt we do encounter God that way. But that's encountering God in the natural world. Uh, the Eucharist, the Mass, is encountering God in a profound, supernatural way, in the most possible intimate way, where we're actually receiving his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, incidentally, what did Jesus say on the cross? It is finished. The Latin rendering mark there is consumatum est. It is finished. The better rendering is it is consummated. So as we talk about walking with God in the natural world and encountering God as we should, no doubt, but certainly this points to our more intimate supernatural encounter with our Lord in the Eucharist, uh, an encounter that consummates, right? An encounter that consummates and which in turn forms and informs all of our other uh, encounters with God, whether it be in, you know, if we're walking along a, a, a water path. I used to love to do this back in California. There was, a, there was a water channel that was often full. I would just take my walks there and have my conversations with Jesus. Um, or if it's in the Yosemite Valley, just admiring God's natural cathedral, if you will. You know, God's love letter um, by way of, uh, God's love letter that he left us by way of nature. Yeah, um, yeah. But it all goes back to the Eucharist, because that consummation is what really um, gives more life to the way in which we, we converse with God on a more regular basis. Yeah, indeed. I, one of the things I also uh, I like about this analogy, not that it matters that I like it, but, you know, I like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> it helps because, you. That's because a good thing. <laughs> even to get to the point of walking is a progression. So how do we walk humbly with the Holy mm. Spirit? You know, uh, in God's gift of life, uh, a baby does not learn to walk without first learning how to crawl and without even first learning how to scoot, right? You yeah, know, and, yeah. and in that scooting, as a, as a father and mother, we melt at the cuteness of it. <laughs> and then they, they crawl and we get excited because we see they're getting closer to this. And then they walk and then they walk and then they run. You know, and mm -hmm. in the spiritual life, how and then you say, I, I, I like the scooting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> because we're going for walks where we can't get the exercise. <laughs> you know, let's yeah, come back yeah, to this. Yeah. No, um, but so translate to the spiritual life, right? Um, we're not going to start out walking, it, it's going to take us a while maybe to figure out what does that look like for us? What does that look like for Mark Holcraft to walk humbly with the Holy Spirit? Um, am I calling myself humble? No, I'm responding to the call to strive for humility, to live in humility. And who's gonna, who better to show me that than not only the Holy Spirit, but these great examples of the saints? You know, um, but I, I find consolation in that, Joe. I find consolation in that as we progress. But in the spiritual life where God cannot be limited, it's not just that we walk with God. 
we run with God, but God may call mm-hmm. us to fly, that we fly with God, you know, and mm-hmm. <laughs> literally, well, you know, St. Joseph Cupertino, he'll be my intercessor yeah. if I ever fly, but, <laughs> sure, sure. you know, but, yeah, but yeah. in the spiritual life, though, that's where God wants to, he wants to literally lift us to those heights that we fly with him. Um, and, and so, as we near, we're going to near our break here, um, that's, maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing snapshot to the saint that we want to discuss when we come back from the break, huh, Joe? Uh, when we come back, this particular saint, he gives us an incredible example of how the Holy Spirit can prompt what it means to intercede, to step into the gap. So, when we get back, we'll learn more about this particular saint. Amen. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio's Awaken. Uh, here I am, Mark Holcraft, talking with Dr. Joe Holcraft. We're talking intercessory prayer, praying in the Holy Spirit. Um, and when we left off, I was kind of given a little foreshadowing of uh, our saint of the day, if you will, saint with this episode. Um, my brother Joe, I've, as long as I've known him, in particular uh, in his college years, I say as long as I've known him, <laughs> from his college years on, I've seen uh, he has a particular love and devotion to a particular saint, St. Maximilian Colby. Uh, to the point that their oldest son is named Colby. Um, there's a deep love he and his wife have for this man of God. Um, I have come on to him uh, for two reasons. His devotion to Our Lady in the beginning of a group called Militia Immaculata. Um, the guy's just, he's what you call a virtual stud, <laughs> Maximilian Colby. <laughs> you know, the guy's he's incredible. Um, but why is he incredible? Um, well, because the life he lived, the life he lived, mm-hmm. you know, and so we're talking, Joe, we're talking intercessory prayer and praying in the Holy Spirit, in particular, walking humbly with God. You know, that's the, mm-hmm. the third of the three steps. And, you know, how fitting that the transition of walking humbly with God, walking humbly with the Holy Spirit, and Maximilian Colby sits before us. Uh, but yeah, I, I know you to be a man to have a great love for him. Can you say more about that? Yeah, so I wanted to, to first comment just on the heels of what we were talking about there before the last break, Mark, with respect to um, walking uh, walking humbly in the Holy Spirit, because I think Jesus has some important words for us. Um, yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, Matthew chapter five verses forty four to forty eight, and this is this is going to uh, transfer, uh, transpose, translate right into our discussion. On St. Maximilian Colby, he says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you salute only your brethren, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same, Jesus says. You therefore must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. So there the charge from Jesus is, if you want to be more whole, if you want to strive towards perfection, and if you want to be called a a child of God, pray for those who persecute you. This is a, uh, 
this this is is the litmus test, really. Um, we are uh, sons and daughters of God to the degree, Mark, that we pray for those who persecute us. Yeah. Uh, so why talk about that as it relates to Saint Maximilian Kolbe? Well. How much time do we have, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we have 14 There's minutes and 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, young Raymond Colby was born in 1894. He was called to uh, uh, the way of, of the religious at the age of 16. Uh, he, he chose the name Maximilian, which, oh, by the way, means greatest. Maximus, right? Greatest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he was uh, Maximilian Raymond Colby brother Maximilian Raymond Colby. He was ordained to the priesthood, Mark, in 1918. So at the uh, ripe young age of 24, um, he was a priest. Um, But something not to overlook, because it certainly plays out in his life, is young brother Maximilian Raymond Colby had a genius intellect. I I do underscore this point in my book, because this is a man... Mark, who, and we forget about this with respect to Maximilian Kolbe, he had the science behind the rocket before we had it, right? I mean, it was in his journals, it was in his books, I mean, that's the kind of genius uh, intellect. He was an astrophysicist. Literally a rocket scientist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> quite literally, yeah. yeah and yeah. Um, So, he becomes a priest at the age of 24 in 1918, and, and for the next 10 years, he just continues to grow in his devotion to Our Lady. And in that time, Mark, he saw an increase of persecution um, inside the church and the church being persecuted from the outside. And so in 1927, he goes to his superior and he, he, his request to his superior was to build a town for the Immaculata upon which he could really jettison and, and start up the militia Immaculata that you noted. And his superior said, well, I don't have the money. <laughs> we don't have the money to do this, uh, but you have my permission to fundraise and so on and so forth. So what was young Father Maximilian Colby's version of fundraising? Uh, <laughs> putting a statue of Mary in the middle of a plot of land and praying to her that she would provide. And over a very short period of time, he was given huge amounts of money to begin to quite literally, Mark, build a town that would become known as Neopokolanov, which in the Polish means City of the Immaculata. So in 1927, and by the end of 1927, he is building a town that is going to be devoted to the Immaculata, to Our Lady. What did this include? Of course, a beautiful church, the monastery grounds, but also a massive printing press because Part of the persecution that he saw inside the Vatican when he was in the Vatican, were it, there was a series of huge protests um, of Masons. They were, the, the Masons were protesting the Catholic Church. And, I, and, I, and it was recorded that on one occasion, there were up to a million Masons protesting the Catholic Church inside the Vatican Plaza. So this just really, this really impacted him. So the way in which he... He thought he could defeat that is by, again, this is Mark 19, 27, right? <laughs> we didn't yeah, have yeah. email and all that stuff, all the social media. Uh, so he decided to build this printing press. And in a very short time, he had over 230,000 copies of a daily newspaper going out to all of Europe. And on a monthly basis, 
over a million magazines going out to all of Europe, all of which was dedicated to evangelization and catechesis. We could say, Mark, really that say Maximilian, uh, then Father Maximilian Raven Colby was the forerunner to uh, forerunner to how we think about the new evan- uh, new evangelization with respect to utilizing, you know, all the latest technologies. And yeah, so, yeah, you bet. Th- this is what he did, Mark. He builds his town. He, he it becomes the largest monastery in all of Europe. It started with 18 brothers. It grew to uh, close to 900 friars. And they were evangelizing Europe. Well, who didn't like that? Right. Who, who, who was number who was Maximilian Kolbe's arch enemy? Um, but of course, Adolf Hitler. So as World War II started, he in 1939, I believe it was, no, we have to fast forward to, to 1940, I think, where he's um, sent to Dachau for a few weeks, uh, a lesser known concentration camp, and then he is sent back to, uh, to Neopokalanov. And uh, soon thereafter, he was brought to Auschwitz. And, and this is the setting to which we know who St. Maximilian Kolbe is, because on August 1st, 1941, someone had escaped from uh, Father Maximilian's cell block, and it was custom Nazi practice to take 10 prisoners from that cell block and take them down into the starvation chamber. Well, so they blew the whistles. They called all of the, uh, the men in that cell block. They put them in their lines, and they called out. They were calling out 10 prisoners. Well, when they got to a man by the name of Francis Gajovnicek, that would be the moment in history that would be essentially marked the moment to why we know St. Maximilian Kolbe, because yeah. Francis Gajovnicek's name was called. He threw himself to the ground in tears. He wasn't going to see his wife and his child. And it was at that point when Father Maximilian walked to the front of the line. And you know, Mark, there's something about that in of itself, which, which is very important. If you walked out of line, you would have been shot on the spot. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So the, the fact that Father Maximilian made it to the front of the line was was a miracle. So he gets to the, the front of the line and SS soldier Adolf Fritz asks the question, uh, looking at another uh, SS soldier, what does this Polish pig want? And his simple response was, I am a Catholic priest and I wish to uh, substitute myself for this man so that he would could be with his family. So this was his request. And incredibly, it was granted. And he said, get in line and told Francis Gajovnicek to, to um, get back in line. And I wanted to share this just one line. There's, there's so much to talk about here, Mark, but I just wanted to share this one line. Uh, Francis Gajovnicek would survive and he would travel and talk about his story. And, and yeah, this is what he- Incredible. This is what he had said towards the end and on one occasion, and he had written it down, I couldn't, and he's talking about what he recalled when he looked up and saw Father Maximilian Colby requesting to take a spot. I could only thank him with my eyes. I was stunned and could hardly grasp what was going on. The immensity of it. The immensity of it. I, the condemned, am to live, and someone else willingly and voluntarily offers his life for me, a stranger. Is this some dream? Is this some dream? So St. Maximilian Colby with Father Maximilian Colby with the nine others go down to the starvation chamber. And again, miraculously, 
he survives 14 days, Mark. And on August 14th, uh, 1941, on the, on the eve of what would become uh, the slumsy of the assumption, nine years yeah. from that yeah. point, right, um, he, he, he uh, died of an injection of carbolic acid and his body was, of, was sent to the ovens. And there you have it, <laughs> this uh, as his, uh, this man's body was being smoke rising to heaven. You know, his, his very body he became a incense. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, the, the imagery mark is, is so rich there. Here's the thing. Uh, for all that being said, in those last days in the starvation bunker, he was praying. Just not with mm. the men who were in the starvation chamber, but for the very SS officers yeah. who were there to kill him. I mean, if that's the Matthew five forty four right, moment, exactly. Uh, and it's just it's so powerful to really think about the, the greatness of it. You know, um, oh, what's his name? Bruno Borkovich was the Polish officer who was down there in the starvation bank, uh, starvation bunker, and he's describing. What he saw, we don't have the time time to get in that. But he writes down when he's witnessing what he's when he sees what he sees, and he says, "Truly, this is a great man." And Mark, there it was for me when I first read that. Raymond changed his name to Maximilian. He who is great, yeah. and here it was this Polish officer identifying uh, the greatness of this man as he had laid his life down unconditionally without measure inexhaustibly for a man he didn't even know <laughs> yeah you know to come full circle a little bit so uh just to postscript this mark with respect to why did i talk about him in my book and you know what's the point with the holy spirit yeah he was a great theologian and he had a great love to just not our lady but also the holy spirit often intertwining um uh the two so as to better come, so as to come to better understanding of Maximilian and, uh, or rather, Mary and the Holy Spirit. He once said that the Holy Spirit is the prototype of all human conception. So, what does that mean for us in our intercessory prayer? When we go to God, desiring something new and beautiful to be encountered, call upon the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the prototype that is essentially. Um, all uh, the prototype for all human conception that would allow us to essentially come to see and encounter all that we desire to come to see and encounter uh, on, on intercessory prayer. So, um, St. Maximilian Colby was a man for God and certainly uh, of and for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Oh, like you said, we could say so much. You know what? Yeah, we could say so much, and so we will. <laughs> we'll say more. But, I, you know, I think. Uh, a couple of things come to mind, Joe. You know, one, uh, the, co- the, the context of the time he lived. I think sometimes when we think loosely of the saints, there's a whole image. You know, we picture the halo, we picture the artwork, we picture them uh, in a, the state of prayer. So the image that immediately comes up, I think, for so many of us when we think of the saints, is this aura of holiness and prayer uh, to the point that I, whether we are aware or unaware, we don't think of the context and the time in which they lived. You know, as you're talking about Maximilian Kolbe, Raymond Kolbe, he's uh, ordained a priest at the very end of World War I. So he's, he's ordained at a time 
that at, time, at that time, the world had not seen that kind of death. You know, uh, to, to say a very discouraging time is to say the least. And, though, and then to come to his death in the midst of World War II, you know, um, it's just so um, intriguing to say the least. But the context of the life that he lived, you know, even when in the concentration camp, I just said he was, uh, he was heard singing and praying and praying with those that were with him, let alone praying and interceding for, for his enemies. Uh, your great point with uh, Matthew 5. But then um, just to understand, like, th- this is why he's a saint. He is a saint because of the life of holiness that he lived through his whole life and his pursuit of it. Um, I think that's so important, Joe. You know, right now, a lot of people in America are discouraged. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the whole the political dynamics um, other than the politics are a big part of why people are discouraged. Uh, whatever side of the, the road they're on regarding uh, the politics of it all. And yet, it does not change the fact and the reality that we are called to that life of holiness. We're called to give, uh, to give witness, but before we can give witness, uh, we need to allow the Lord to witness to us, to feed us, to nourish us. Um, I think that's really important because the context, when you read the stories of those, whether it's World War I, World War II, um, the morale in those concentration camps, people's wills mm. just being stripped mm. from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in some degree, that is indeed what is being encountered today. You know, uh, the, the, those ideas of people feeling like their wills are being stripped, that their say doesn't matter, all, all those things. Um, and Colby gives us a light of, but the pursuit of holiness does not need to be dimmed. It does not yeah. need to be dimmed in these times uh, indeed, it is in these times that we are called to greatness. We are, we are called to yeah. be great, to be magnanimous, yeah. to be, uh, you know, the Maximilians, right? Yep. Uh, liter- literally and figuratively. Amen, Mark. The, the darker it gets, uh, the greater our light shines. Uh, this is why I said, you know, Bruno Borkovich was the one who said this man's great. I, I stand corrected. I'm, I'm, I am reminding myself right now that it was the SS soldier who said, okay. this man is great. And I highlight that as kind of a postscript mark to our time together today, because uh, you're talking about morale, you're talking about war, you're talking about darkness. His light shines so brightly that an officer who belonged to darkness saw it so clearly is light. Right? And, and so I, I think that's something to be said that, um, Peace isn't the absence of warfare, but a deeper and more profound spiritual welfare that allows us to enter deeper into the mystery of how we're called to be that light in a time of increased darkness. So, Joe, we bring our time together uh, to an end today, and uh, I'd like to just end on this note. And even if, to the point for our listeners, if this brief, short reflection can even be our closing prayer, um, because it is, it is the witness of the saints that shows us the timelessness of God. You know, this example of Maximilian Kolbe takes me right back to, I think, was it Tertullian who noted in the early church uh, the soldier, right? The Roman soldier who noted, see those Christians, see how they love one another. And it, it yeah. was the soldier yeah. who noted it. Um, and so yeah. we see that almost transported in time 
1900 years later in Maximilian Colby. Yeah. Amen. Uh, let's close our time. We pray with our listeners and for all those. Uh, and with the glory be. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hullcraft.